1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning, beginning with verse 1. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we see glory from people, whether it was from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. As we get ready to take our offering moment, uh, we continue to do that with the boxes in the foyer and the boxes on the side uh, here. But I want to just let you know about some of the ministry that happens in the life of our church. This week we had a fantastic week. One of the highlights of this week was our church was asked to host the National Day of Prayer event for the Christian Community Network uh, that exists here in our area. Uh, every year that that event has been held, for many, many years, has been held here in the life of our church. And I would just tell you, it was just a fantastic, rich time uh, of prayer of our community coming together. Uh, and what I loved about that is that when those leaders in our community said, where can we gather as a community across the Christian world? Where can we meet to do that? They chose Woodland Park Baptist Church to do that. And they did that based on our facility and our location. And I hope the spirit of our church as well. It was a great time. And uh, we look forward to hosting it again every time uh, that they ask us. Let, let's pray for the ministry of our church. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the so many resources that you've given to our church. Lord, things that you can put your hands on, and Lord, things that are unseen and invisible. But Lord, we thank you for how you've gifted this church for the purpose of honoring and representing you in this community. So Lord, I pray that you would multiply our efforts, Lord, multiply the resources that we need for all of these things. We pray it in your name. Amen.
That's your cue. Now it's all right. Uh, I thought this morning uh, that we would have some fun and we would start with a game. Is that okay? Uh, if you don't like a game, consider it a test. It's up to, up to you. Uh, but here's what we're going to play is we're going to try to identify some sounds. Are you ready? Okay. There we go. All right. Here we go. Uh, let's do the, uh, we're going to start out with one. You should get this one. All right. You ready? Basketball. That's the sound that some of you have had running down the hallways of your house. So there, there it is. That's a basketball. All right. Let's do the. Um, let's do the next one. That was the sound of Brian this week leaving the parking lot. <laughs> All right. One more or a couple more. Here we go. Chopping, okay. Chopping. Now your, your eyes should be getting watery. Onions, that's right. Very, very good. You did that without any help at all. Uh, that, that was uh, fantastic. All right, let's try another one. <laughs> Do that one again. This one's tricky. <laughs> now somebody said Winnie the Pooh in the first service, but it's Winnie's cousin, the Pillbury Doughboy. Uh, 
Pillbury Doughboy. All right, uh, one more. All right, Snapchat, half of you looked down at your phone. Uh, the other half of you thought we had a leak in our roof. Um, e either way, uh, as fun as those may be to try to identify what does that sound like, what, what is that sound? And the question that I wanted to focus on this morning is, what does a church sound like? How does a church sound? Now, what my experience is, and I'm pretty sure that I'm right about that, is churches have all different kinds of looks. Churches look all different kinds of way. Uh, in fact, if you go all the way around the world, boy, you'd see different shapes and sizes of churches and buildings that, that, that exist. If you were to go all the way through history, uh, huge churches, big churches, little churches, round churches, square churches, all different kinds of churches. In fact, in my own experience, I've met in a church uh, that uh, met in a school. I've met in a, I've done church inside of a movie theater. I've done a church downtown that was called First Baptist. I've been in a church that had columns out front. I've been in a church that had these beautiful oak trees in the back. Maybe you've seen that one. But churches look all different kinds of things. They're kind of like snowflakes. There are no two of them that are exactly the same. But what does a church sound like? How do we know that what we're in and what we're around is really church? Just like you could identify the sound of a basketball or you could identify the sound of a, of a baseball hitting a bat. You say, I know that sound. What does a church sound like so that when you hear it, you can say, I know that sound. That was church. This morning, I want you to know that the good news the good news this morning is that a gospel church, the good news is that a true gospel church is a place that cares deeply for you. That's what it sounds like. A true gospel church is a place that cares deeply for you and for your whole life. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as we look at your word and as we listen to your voice this morning, Lord, I want us to be more than informed. Lord, I want us to be more than just collecting information. But I want us to hear your voice. I want us to hear your word. I want us to know the presence of your Holy Spirit speaking into our lives today. So across this room, whatever it is that you have set aside for each person to hear this morning, Lord, I pray that they would hear it so clearly today. We pray it in your name. Amen. As we dig into this passage of Scripture, this letter that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, as we look at these first 12 verses of chapter 2, one of the things that we'll see is that, that Paul kind of hits back on some themes that he's already uh, hit on. As we look at these first 12 verses of chapter 2, one of the things that he talks about is he talks about, you know and you are witness to the fact that when we came, uh, that we worked hard night and day so that we would not uh, be a burden to you as we preach the gospel to you. That's the same thing that we saw in the first couple of verses of the book where he talked about your, your, your work of faith and your labor of love. We talked about that being the evidence of a church that breaks a sweat. He, he talks about the importance of there being consistency between the things that we say, the things that we preach, and the way that we live our lives. 
Hey, in fact, he says, you are witnesses that we came to you, that we were holy and blameless and righteous. There was a connection between our lives being changed and transformed by the very words that we were speaking. He also kind of circles back in terms of the theme of enduring and holding up under persecution and difficulty. He has been saying that all through chapter 1, and here as he opens up chapter 2, he's saying the same thing again, that a real church, a true church, will be able to stand firm even in the face of hardship, and it won't shrink and it won't disappear. But what I want you to hear this morning, well, what I want you to hear this morning is that I want you to hear how Paul describes what the voice, the sound or the tone of a church should be. I think that's really, to me, when I read this passage several, several months ago, that's what I really think is the most important thing for us to hear, is that it tells us this is what a church sounds like. So let's dive in and let's begin. The first thing I want you to know is that I want you to know that the sound of a church, the sound of a gospel church, is that a gospel church is bold. A gospel church is bold. Is anybody here this morning that came to church this morning who's dealing with some stuff? Anyone? You don't have to raise your hand, but I think most of us would. You just came this morning like, man, we are in the middle of dealing with some stuff. I I want you to know that it's okay to come to church dealing with some stuff because most people do come to church dealing with some stuff. And in fact, here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is dealing with some stuff. In fact, if you notice in the opening verses of this chapter, he is talking like, man, you remember when we came to you? We had just come from Philippi, and in Philippi we had been abused, and we had been shamefully treated, and we had been imprisoned. And you've got to know that this experience that Paul had, it maybe was one of the earlier imprisonments that he had for preaching the gospel. Man, it left a mark. And he is still talking about it. He says, you remember when we came? Man, the only reason we were there, the only reason we were in your town is that we got thrown out of Philippi. Man, and they humiliated us. And they treated us so poorly. And they told us that we could not come back to that place. And so we wandered around a little bit until we came to your town. And then you remember what happened when we came to your town? We got kicked out of the synagogue. We we got dragged through the streets. And we got kicked out of town again. And as Paul writes this, He's just talking about how he was shamefully treated and this difficulty and the hardship that he was facing. And when I read this, I'm like, man, this is a guy that's still kind of dealing with some of the opposition that he was facing. And it's still kind of stirring up inside of him. Like, what what am I supposed to do with all of this? But what I want you to notice is that even while he was dealing with that and he was facing all of those things, there would be a temptation for a person who keeps getting thrown out of town because of the message that he was preaching. There would be a temptation that he could show up to that church exhausted or he could show up to that church discouraged or cautious or skittish or compromising and saying, listen, I'm going to soften this a little bit so it doesn't quite cause as much difficulty as it did in that last place. Let's see if I can't adjust this a little bit so it doesn't go as badly as it went last time. But that's not what we find. Paul says, when I came to you, I preached the word of God to you boldly. I preach the word of God to you with boldness. And I want you to see how how Paul does it, the voice of a church that is bold. I want you to see the voice of a church that's bold because it is confident. The first verse in the chapter says, Our coming to you was not in vain. 
What he says is that even though you weren't really on our schedule, even though we were only in your town, and the only reason why we left your town is because we were kind of bullied and pushed around, he said, we didn't come to you by mistake, and it wasn't a waste that we came to you. He is confident. He has boldness because he knows that God is orchestrating things larger, bigger, deeper, and wider than any force that he's facing in this world. And so he walks with boldness because he knows that he's confident that God is orchestrating. And what he is walking through is not in vain. It's not a waste. It is not small. It is not a mistake. But God has his hand on it. And when you know that truth, then you can walk with boldness in this world. I would tell you that you'd see in terms of boldness uh, in this passage that there is a clarity of his message. We, we see his boldness and his clarity because uh, the clarity of his message because he says, listen, when we came to preach to you, we didn't come to deceive. We, we didn't come uh, to shape things. We didn't do things for our own honor. We didn't do things for our, for our own benefit. He says, we could have come trying to please people with flattery and helping people hear exactly what they wanted to hear. He says, but we didn't come to you as men pleasers, but we came to please God with what we did and with what we said. Now, it would have been easy, at least it would have felt easy, to say, you know what, I'm going to shape this so that, that, that it'll have a little bit more crowd appeal, so that it can be received softer, and, and I'm going to take some of the, the, the things that offend people out of it a little bit, and, and I'm going to make it a, a softer, more comfortable message. Well, there's a couple of things that are wrong with that. One, it, even if you wanted to be a people pleaser, people are really difficult to please. They keep changing their mind about what they want all the time anyways. I think about our presidential elections. Do you know that 48 to 52% of Americans vote for the wrong candidate every single election? Every single election, 48 or 52%, depending on which side it is and which guy you were cheering for, they vote for the wrong person. People make crazy decisions to try to please that. You know, your, your favorite restaurant closes down. It's like, oh, I love this place. The food here is the best. I can't believe this place closed down. And around the corner, there's some dump that's still open and it's getting busier all the time. People are hard to please. Paul has confidence because he is not spending his life trying to just say the things that will make people happy. He has confidence because he says, the only message that I came to speak is the message that came from God. And I will make that the beeline of my message and say, are my words, is my message, is my sermon, is my gospel a gospel that pleases God? Does it honor him? And he starts with that. And so he has boldness because he knows who he is trying to please and not a changing finicky crowd. I also like the fact that he has boldness. But that boldness, that certainty is not in himself. It's in God. I want you to notice that in this passage of Scripture, what he says, but we came to you with boldness, but pay attention. What he says is that we came to you with boldness in our God. There is a difference between boldness in ourselves and a confidence and a boldness in God. Boldness in ourselves is arrogant and oftentimes loud and obnoxious. Paul's 
confidence, his boldness was not loud or boisterous or arrogant or obnoxious. It was simply knowing that we can be bold in God. Every once in a while, somebody that you know, maybe you, uh, has surgery has a surgery scheduled. And what you want to find out is that you've been told that you need to have surgery. And so what you want to do is you want to find out that you've got the best surgeon that there is. And, and, and you know, you ask around, who's this? And, oh, they're, they're, they're the best. They're the best. No one ever says, well, you know what? They're about the 11th best surgeon, but they're, but they're cheaper than the rest. So maybe, you know, you can go with them. But, but everyone wants to find the best surgeon that there is. And so when you're talking to that surgeon and he's telling you, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this incision, we're going to move these things around, we're going to cut here, and we're going to do all all of these things, sometimes there's a desire to just kind of look the surgeon in their eyes and say, are you sure you can do this? Do you really know how to do this? Now let me just think about two different reactions. One, the surgeon can hop out of their chair and jump around the room and yell and tell you about how great they are and almost look like they're at some high school pep rally telling you how great that they are and all of these things. I don't necessarily know that that's going to increase your confidence. But if you look the surgeon in their eye and say, do you know how to do this? And that surgeon says, yes. You don't need noise. You don't need all kinds of crazy. What you need is bold confidence. I can do this. And for Paul, his confidence is not noisy. It's not obnoxious. It is saying, I have boldness in God who can do all of these things. I want you to know that our church needs to not shop around and try to figure out which message pleases people or what things we could do that would make people happier, all of those things. We are committed to saying, this is what the Word of God says. This is how the Word of God says it. And we seek to honor and please Him. And we live with our boldness and confidence that He can do great things. And a church should sound bold because of its confidence in God. I would also tell you that if you're listening for what a church sounds like, a gospel church sounds gentle and affectionate. A gospel church is gentle and affectionate. Now, this is kind of interesting because I think if I had given you a piece of paper as you walked in to the sanctuary this morning and I had said, listen, a little bit later there's going to be a quiz and what I want you to do is I want you to write down the 10 words that you think of when you think of church. Uh, write down 10 words. Write down 20 words about what you would describe a good, gospel, strong, biblical church. Now, if I were to give you that assignment... I wonder how many of us would have written down the word gentle. It isn't the word that comes to mind when we think about the gospel. But I want you to see here, I want you to see here Paul's word when he says, I came to you with gentleness. What kind of gentleness? He says, I came to you with a gentleness like a nursing mother who loves their infant, 
who holds their infant, who understands the frailty of this flesh and blood that is theirs, that understands that dependence on them. And Paul says, what I came to you is I came and held you like a nursing, loving mother holds their children. He speaks about the affection that he had for that church. He says, I came to you and I didn't just give you the gospel, but I gave you myself. I gave you our own lives because we were so desirous of you. He says, we came to you brothers out of affection and our care and our deep loving for you. Let me tell you, I think this is an attribute. This is a part of the voice of a gospel church that gets overlooked sometimes. I can't fully understand what got off track that the church began to sound loud, angry, and unloving sometimes. Because the word of God says, I came to you with gentleness. What kind of gentleness? Like a loving mother, like a nursing mother, just like my mom loved me and cared for me and fed me and held me and understood my frailty and cheered for every moment of my strengthening and my progression and my growing and just loved me. But we talk about there's nothing quite like a mother's love. Now listen, mama might have a word or two for you every once in a while. True. Well, we can say that. But hear this attribute of gentleness. It's part of the DNA of a church. It's what a church is supposed to sound like. Now, just in case you think, well, okay, you're just picking this one verse and you're kind of placing a whole lot on this one verse. There are two passages of Scripture that I go to often if I want to remind myself what the character, the heart of God and the Spirit of God is. The first one is in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit, the product, the sign of the presence of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let me tell you, is that the texture of your church? Is that the voice of the church? It says that if the Spirit is there, this is what it looks like when the Spirit is there. I also look at Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is teaching to the crowd. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Somehow we have forgotten that the gospel is built first on love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does a church sound like? It is gentle and affectionate. And I will tell you that it will be my commitment as long as I'm your pastor that I will do everything I can to make sure the voice of our church, the voice of the teaching ministry of our church sounds like the very teaching voice that Paul is talking about here. That it's based on the fact that God loves you. It's based on the fact that we're called to love each other. It is loving like a nursing mother who knows that in front of us are very fragile lives. It is based on giving you not just the word of God, but our very hearts and our very lives as well. That's the way that we're going to live it out. Because that's part of the voice and the sound of a true gospel church is that it loves and cares for you. Now let me tell you one more piece. A true gospel church sounds pointed. A true gospel church is pointed. Uh, I went to seminary a couple times. Maybe the first time didn't stick. Um, but I took preaching classes. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But in, in those classes, there, there were discussions about how you structure and you build a sermon. And one of those pieces is how many points is a sermon supposed to have and how many points are supposed to be underneath each one of those points and, and how do you build a sermon and how many things is it supposed to have, how many parts does it have. And, and so I remember somebody asking the question, well, how many points should a sermon have? And the professor said, always try to have at least one. <laughs> I think that's true. If you're going to stand in front of people, have something to say, have a point, have something that says we're going to move you from here to here. And on this Mother's Day Sunday, Paul has talked about, I came to you with gentleness like a nursing mother. He talks about his affection that he has for you as brothers and as sisters. And then he says... I have come to you like a father. And he says, like a father, I exhort you and I encourage you and I charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who has called you. To walk in a manner who's worthy to walk in a manner that is worthy of God. I want you to see those things. Listen, the church has to be able to say, listen, see where you are right now? God is calling you to grow and develop and change and rearrange your life so that your life becomes more and more worthy of the calling that he has put on your life. And a gospel church has to have that voice that says, keep moving. Keep moving to where God wants you to be. I love what Paul says. He describes this as a father. He says, I exhort you. He says, I'm giving you an instruction. And the church needs to give 
instruction. I love what he says here. Like a father, I encourage you. He says, listen, here's what you need to be doing. And then he says, listen, when I see you having any success, if I see you making any progress or development in that, I said, man, you're doing fantastic. You're doing great. Let me tell you, many of you need the voice of someone that would encourage you and tell you, listen, yeah, there's a couple things in life that aren't right. But I hear your heart. I hear your desire. Here are the things that you are doing well. Keep doing those things that you're getting right. It is worth it. You're doing super. Keep going. And Paul says, like a father, like a godly father, I come to encourage you. And then he says, and I charge you, which I think another way you say, I, I challenge you. Say, listen, I love where you are today. But there's a couple things that you need to back up and fix that are out of order in your life. Would, would back up and take care of those. He says, I charge you, I challenge you. You're doing fantastic where you are. I'm so grateful for where you've come to. This is super. But there's another step that, you're, that you need to take. And I challenge you to take that next step. The church that's a true gospel church needs to be a church that encourages you and builds you up and challenges you to move forward in your faith and to continue to have your life rearranged by the living, present Jesus inside of your life. And so church, it's my commitment to you as well to say to you on a Sunday morning, listen, this is where you need to be. You're doing fantastic in these areas. And here's the next place for you. Because none of us should just kind of build a house in the exact spot where we are right now. Because God says, here's next. Here's next for your life. And I want you to move in that direction. What does a church sound like? It's bold and confident and uncompromising in its message. It is gentle and it's affectionate because it values your life. And it's pointed because it says, here's the next thing that God wants to see unfold and build inside of your life. So what do we do with this this morning? I think the first question that I, that I want to ask is, if the church, if the gospel has a sound, are you listening? What we're saying here is the presumption is God speaks. So are we listening when God speaks? I would tell you that sometimes God speaks to us with bold truth. Sometimes things that we don't want to hear, some things that we would prefer not to deal with. But he speaks to those bold truth. Are you listening to that bold truth? God comes and he speaks to you with the gentleness of a nursing mother who loves you with all affection of the world. Are you listening? Are you letting the God who loves you speak to your life? He comes and he speaks to you with a point and says, I want you to be more like my son, Jesus. And here's how you do that. God speaks. Are you ready 
and willing to listen to the voice of God. And the second piece that I want to add to that is not only do I want you to be listening to the voice of God, but I want you to echo the voice of God. I want you to amplify the voice of God. Because what I want you to do is to say, okay, if this is the tone, if this is the voice, if this is the sound of God, and my life is supposed to look more like Him, is my life marked by embracing of the bold truth of God's Word? Is my communication marked by gentleness and affection? Am I pointed and helping people grow closer to Christ, either discovering Christ for the first time or to grow in the next step of their life? Am I echoing that voice of God? Am I echoing that in my life? Am I echoing that in my church? Is this the sound of Woodland Park Baptist Church? How can this become more like the sound of Woodland Park Baptist Church? And then on this Mother's Day, I need to just quickly mention, because I don't think it's a mistake that God uses the image of family, of the nursing mother, the brotherly and sisterly love, and of the work of the father to say, is this the voice of my family? Is this the sound of my family? Truth, gentleness, and affection, and helping the people around me grow. God has planted you in a place, your family, your workplace, your school. Are you echoing the voice of God in the places where he's planted you? Let's pray.